Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to The Broad Experience, the show about women, the workplace, and success. I'm Ashley Miltite. This time, how open should we be about our private lives when we're on the job, especially when we're away from home? I've always been quite guarded about revealing details of my personal life, as I wouldn't really want that information to be out there, out of my control, I suppose. But not everyone believes discretion is everything. I also don't want to go out of my way to play mental games and think about how can I do my part to make sure this person is comfortable by my constructing a false reality. Coming up, when work, social media and the rest of your life collide. At the beginning of the year, I heard from a listener in the UK. We're just using her first name, Marie. She's in her late 20s. She lives and works in the north of England. And she's been grappling with this problem related to her work. Her job involves a lot of networking and travel inside and outside the UK. I've always been happy with the way, you know, that I do my job. And I think I'm very good. Well, you know, not very good, but I think I'm good at it. Typically female takedown of one's own abilities. Check. I've just become, I think, increasingly aware of the fact that part of my success in my professional life seems to depend on how much of myself I'm giving socially. Now, not all of us are natural networkers, let's face it. I did a whole show called The Hell of Networking a few years ago. But Marie is good at the talking to strangers part. It's just that she wants to keep those relationships work-based – She doesn't want to share too much about her non-work self, and she feels that reluctance may be hurting her career. I am happy at events and when on trade delegations and things like that, being sociable and going out to dinner. And, you know, a lot of these times we end up seeing the same people in the same circles. And, you know, generally it's a nice bunch of people. I'm always happy to hang out, but I'm quite happy to leave it there at, at the sort of the end of the working day or the end of the trip. Great. Maybe see you next time. Whereas a lot of people do seem to have these friendships that exist outside of work. And I have just begun to wonder whether I'm putting myself at a disadvantage by not socialising in that same way, by not extending those professional friendships. She's particularly concerned about social media. A lot of her colleagues at home and abroad are Facebook friends with one another. She's happy to connect on LinkedIn, where things are more formal, But on Facebook, where everyone shares family news and social lives, not so much. I've had a few colleagues sort of try and add me on Facebook and I've either put them on limited profile or I've ignored their request and and hoped, you know, that they don't sort of take offence. But I am aware also through things that are said on some of these trips when people say, oh, yes, it was in that big Facebook message um, that got sent around. Oh, didn't you see it? 
And so people either kind of assume that I'm Facebook friends with everybody and that made me realise that most people are. Tell people why this is an issue for you and perhaps it's not for a lot of your colleagues. So I'm a married gay woman and a lot of the countries that I visit for work, it's either illegal to be gay. So I visit a lot of African countries, for example, or it's maybe not illegal, but it's taboo. And because I know that some of these, you know, UK contacts are also then, say, Facebook friends with, with local clients who I have a professional relationship with, I've always been quite guarded about revealing details of my personal life as I wouldn't really want that information to be out there, out of my control, I suppose. On Facebook, one connection easily leads to another, and she worries about how those foreign colleagues would react if they knew she was gay. So far, she's dealt with it by revealing as little about her personal life in conversation as is politely possible, and also by not connecting with many of this circle of people on Facebook, where they could spot pictures of her and her wife. What about other gay friends or friends in the LGBT community? I mean, has anyone there had any advice to you or told you what they do? Or, or is it just that because they're maybe they're in such a different job that it doesn't really apply? I have spoken to someone I knew from university who works in the charity sector, and that involves a lot of time spent overseas, again, in countries where it's illegal to be gay. And she's actually recently married too. And for her, she was saying, you know, safety comes first and it's very, she doesn't have one steadfast rule for everything. It's very much a case-by-case basis. Um, she'll sometimes be staying in a country for up to three months and usually by then she'll have kind of figured out who's a good ally and who's not going to, like, freak out if she tells them that she's gay. She's also mentioned sort of coping mechanisms like referring to her wife by a sort of slightly more masculine version of her name so that people would understand it as a man's name or using the word sort of spouse, which is an interesting one. Um, I don't know anyone who uses the word spouse in a kind of natural way. Um, It seems very clinical to me to say that word, but I have found myself more recently saying things like my other half, because again, that's quite neutral, I suppose, gender wise. What's your status with regard to your colleagues there at home in Britain? I mean, do people do people know you're gay? Do they know you're married? They do, yeah. It, it did take me a good while to, I suppose, come out at work. Um, not through any kind of, obviously, danger of, you know, personal safety or anything like that, but just, you just never know, I think, what people's um, reactions are going to be like. And my tendency, I think, is to play it more on, on the safe side there. But certainly now, yeah, in my office, it's, it's very open and um, a few of my colleagues attended like a, a wedding blessing we thing we had a few months ago. But that comfort level disappears on business trips. And how do you feel when you're, when you're in one of those countries for work where either being gay is, is taboo or it's illegal? It does feel quite strange. And I think that's also something that I need to figure out in the long term is whether I'm kind of happy doing a job and traveling to countries where I've always got to kind of repress a little bit of myself and switch a bit of myself off you know otherwise it could be quite upsetting I think um you see some quite sort of harsh signs at a few kind of airports and things like that um I think it's in Ghana when you go through the visa immigration section there's a sign that says I'm, I'm paraphrasing but something on the lines of 
Ghana does not welcome sexual deviance. Um, if you're a sexual deviant for the good of yourself and for this country, please turn around and go back where you came from or, or something like that. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's it's quite brutal. And the thing about these countries as well is I think the laws don't exist in a vacuum. You know, in Nigeria, they did a opinion poll a few years ago and it was like 95% of the population thought that it was immoral to be gay, that it was morally wrong. And... So that's probably 95% of the people that I've met, you know, if you want to put it that way. I looked into this too. The most recent poll found 87% of Nigerians think homosexual relationships are wrong and should remain banned in Nigeria. That's down from 96% five years before. And yes, Ghana's airport does have a sign that warns about sexual deviance and basically lumps homosexuality together with paedophilia. I mean, how many of us would feel comfortable talking about our same-sex partner to a Ghanaian colleague if we'd seen that sign at the airport? In a minute, Marie wonders what's next for her career, and we meet someone with a different take on openness. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. That knowledge about public attitudes in some countries stops Marie in her conversational tracks. The whole situation sometimes makes her wonder. Is she even cut out for this work? You did allude to this in your in your email as well, that this idea that you said something along the lines of, you know, maybe I'm not right for this kind of job long term. Yeah, I do wonder if, because a large part of my job is this sort of maintenance of relationships and networking, whether if I'm not fully like visible, say on social media, or if I'm not having these really like pally conversations with clients about family or or other kind of more personal matters if I can't send an email oh I saw a picture of your kids the other day haven't they grown or something that maybe that just means I'm not able to do my job as effectively as as someone who's not in my position. She says if she were married to a man it wouldn't be an issue she could talk openly about family when she's abroad just like everyone else maybe strengthen those relationships and she thinks if she were connected to a big group of colleagues on Facebook popping up in people's news feeds Maybe they'd be inclined to think of her more when new opportunities arise. For now, though, she's holding back. And part of it is the kind of personal, professional aspect. And because obviously, you know, the being gay of me part isn't, isn't going to change, but I can change the situations that I put myself into. I haven't ever felt sort of in any real physical danger, but I've definitely felt uncomfortable quite a few times. And I think... There is this thing of, especially when interacting with local clients, of just wondering, what if, what if you knew? A lot of the time I'm able to you know, compartmentalise private and professional and so it doesn't affect me a great deal on every trip that I go on. But I do have these moments sometimes where I'm chatting to someone and it's a client who I've met a few times and we get on really well. And I just think, oh, I wonder what you would say if you knew I was married to a woman. Like, would we be having this conversation? Would you be happy chatting with me? Would you have invited me around for dinner, you know? Or would we have just kind of stopped and we'd be speaking the bare minimum? It is a strange one. And, you know, how I feel about it can also vary quite a lot, depending not only on the country, but depending on who I'm with, 
whether I'm traveling in a group of, of colleagues or whether I'm by myself, I haven't quite made up my mind really what I think about it. Hence me kind of, I suppose, writing into to you as well to sort of see, I, I am interested to see what other people's, you know, takes might be on, on this situation. Where I personally come down on it is that I try to create the reality that I wish to live in. This is Dory Clark. She's been on the show before in that episode on networking. She's the author of the books Reinventing You and Stand Out. She teaches at Duke University's Business School. I do a lot of professional speaking, but the main thrust of my work is helping professionals today learn how to become recognized experts and how to make sure that their talents are standing out in a crowded marketplace. Like Marie, Dory travels extensively for her work. She's a big social media user, and she is also gay. She says the people around you, they take their cues from you. About how you want to be treated and how you expect to be treated. You know, of of course, there's outliers, but oftentimes you really set the tenor. And so if you go into something in in a sort of nervous or apologetic way, it's almost telegraphing a kind of weakness. And I prefer not to do that. So I, I literally go into the scenario thinking, how would a straight person handle this? And so if it is germane to a story to say, I did this with my girlfriend last weekend, then I will include that. If, if someone in a reasonable situation would say, oh, I did this with my husband, I will say the exact same thing. I don't think that it's politic or advisable to make a big deal out of one's sexuality, just as you wouldn't uh, if, you were, if you were straight. I don't think that it's really helpful to engage on, on politics or get into a, a big discussion about the nature of the, the country's policies on homosexuality unless your colleague somehow brings it up or, or you're um, sure that there's political common ground. But I also don't want to go out of my way to play mental games and think about how can I do my part to make sure this person is comfortable by my constructing a false reality. When you are in one of these countries where they are less than friendly, at least outwardly, to gay people, would you still do what you just said you would do? If it was natural, you would mention your girlfriend if you had one? A hundred percent. A hundred percent I would. Now, it's important to keep in mind that if you are in a a situation where you you feel like you might somehow be at risk in terms of your your physical safety or something like that, obviously you need to be smart. But if you're in a professional context, you're at a cocktail party with uh, with your colleagues, you and and this is really more a, a question of how people will respond to you emotionally or in terms of their interpersonal connection, um, then absolutely, I would not hesitate to be honest about my life. And with regard specifically to Facebook and social media, that is a a place where I feel like people have many different views. If in general, um, you have a a policy that you don't really want to connect with professional colleagues on Facebook, that's, that's fine. Nobody needs to do that. But if you do in general, and there's a concern that specific people, maybe from a, you know, a different culture, wouldn't know how to respond to your personal life, they 
they have a lot of options. I, I don't think it's our job to, to shield them. Um, I mean, really what they would be seeing on your Facebook, I, I assume, uh, if it's like mine, is maybe they'll see a picture of, you know, you and your girlfriend out at a restaurant or at a play or, or something like that. Um, even if it's clear that it's your girlfriend, these are, are things that are mild they're not in and of themselves going to be upsetting to someone they might be it might be upsetting to think that uh, that you have a girlfriend uh if if someone was uncomfortable with homosexuality but they're they're you know this is not overt you making out with someone this is you going to a restaurant and if if that is so traumatizing to them they can unfriend you they can block you whatever they need to do but i like to give people that choice because i have found that you're able to be more professionally successful if you also have a a more real personal connection with other people. And I think actually in many foreign cultures, that is even more true. In the U.S., in Britain, we tend to have a more, you know, according to uh, cultural analysis of business practices, we tend to have a more transactional view of business relationships. Oh, we do business together, but we're not friends. Well, if you go to a place like Asia or like Africa, they don't want to do business with you unless you are friends, unless you have a connection. That's why it's so important to go to these, you know, endless banquets in China and, you know, be, be you know, drinking all night with people or whatever. They want to get to know you. They want to know about your family. And so if you are cutting that off, um, it may actually lead them to feel less close to you and they don't know why. And that may actually be, in the long run, an even more damaging way to handle the issue of sexuality. And that, of course, is exactly what Marie is worried about, that maybe she's cutting herself off from deeper connections and a better career by not connecting more personally on Facebook. I told Dory she's even questioning whether she's suited to this kind of work. Yeah, to me, in a lot of ways, this is, uh, (laughs) it kind of harks back to lean in, in a lot of ways, meaning Sheryl Sandberg's argument in lean in was, of course, that women often are the ones that take themselves out of contention too early. They are the ones that say, oh, I shouldn't accept that promotion because I might want to have kids in a few years or whatever it is. And I think the truth is, we shouldn't be taking ourselves out of contention. If it turns out, I mean, this would be horrible, but if it turns out her being gay is just too much for these foreign colleagues to bear, let it be on them. I think it's inappropriate for us to guess what they can handle and what they can't handle. I would give them the opportunity to show her exactly what kind of people they are. You know, I mean, we're dealing presumably with people that are well-educated, that are professionals, that perhaps are quite cosmopolitan, that, you know, perhaps have, have even done a lot of business themselves in other countries. And so homosexuality is not going to be something that is so new to them. I mean, even if the cultural context of their country is disapproving, A, that doesn't mean that they are personally disapproving, and B, even if they are personally disapproving, there are a lot of people who are perfectly able to hold opposing things in their own minds. I mean, I grew up in the South, and there's a lot of people that might not be so crazy about homosexuality in general, but you don't really want to mess with their homosexual. And <laughs> I think a lot of people operate like that, 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 there's, that there's people they like, 
and they will be very protective of you if they like you. A couple of years ago, Dory went to Kazakhstan for work. Kazakhstan decriminalized homosexuality in the late 90s. Still, according to Human Rights Watch, 10 years later, 80% of LGBT people there felt they faced disapproval and disrespect on a daily basis. So she wasn't exactly in friendly territory. I think it's it's really just a question of what is appropriate in a particular context. I mean, I was there doing a stint teaching business school. And so, you know, I was talking with, with my students and, uh, and, and other folks in the academic community, mostly about, about business and careers and, and things like that. Uh, but I became Facebook friends with many of them. We've, we've now stayed uh, connected on Facebook for, for a couple of years since that time. And I don't, I don't hesitate to, uh, to post things about my, my personal life or a picture of me with somebody that I'm dating. I feel like Facebook is, it's, it's your space, essentially, and they are opting into that space. And if they can't deal with it, then that's on them. But if they have indicated that they want to get to know me better as a person and know what my, what my life is really like, then I am glad to, to open that door and, and let them in as long as they're willing to be nice and, and friendly and good, good natured and good intentioned about it. And I, I have never had any blowback about it. The first time she was out and overseas, things didn't go smoothly. In the early years of college, she spent a summer in Norway at something called the International Summer School. It was a program at the University of Oslo. She says it soon emerged that she was gay, and some people weren't happy about it. Some weeks into the program, one of her friends there put on a talent show, and Dory wasn't going to be part of it. But at the last minute, her friend said not enough people had signed up. Please, could she do something, anything? Dory had written this short story, and the protagonist was gay. And so I read the short story at the talent show. And during the talent show, a woman from Mexico, I believe, stood up, like interrupted it, yelled me down and walked out and tried to encourage other people to walk out as well, which a number of people did. And, you know, you're kind of sensitive enough about your short story. (laughs) And so having people walk out and, you know, kind of scream you down in the middle of it was really traumatic. And, you know, I was, I was a teenager. I was just, you know, just going to be a sophomore in college. Uh, but actually what was impressive to me then, uh, even, you know, 20 plus years ago was that the Americans and, you know, a few, you know, people from, from a few other places, but especially the Americans really united around me and a bunch of people came up and they were so mortified and so apologetic that this, uh, that this person had done this. And, you know, and, and many of them were people that were not really necessarily themselves so pro-gay, but they didn't want to see me be treated that way. They thought that was wrong. And for me, that was a very formative moment. Um, it was actually a moment where I, I think it really took my patriotism up a notch because I realized, first of all, you know, these, these people feel a kinship with me and they're coming together. But it, it really impressed me, just the level of decency and understanding that even if you don't 100% agree with someone, if you like them enough as a person, you don't want them to be treated poorly by other people. And I, I think that for a lot of folks, 
that more than ideology is a central organizing principle. And I, I think that oftentimes we don't expect to see that as, as much as it might really happen. So I think that if we give people the chance to rise to the occasion, oftentimes they will. Really interesting. Thank you so much for doing this. I mean, I think I feel like you've given a lot of great fodder for, well, this person and, and anyone else who's thinking about this. But is there anything else that you would like to say about this topic that you haven't got across that you think is important for people to bear in mind? When people are thinking about how out they should be in the workplace, I think that once you have covered your bases and and are clear that you are not at risk for losing your job or, or things like that, that legally you're protected, then you can transition into a much more important question, which is how you want to be in the world. And for me personally, I am a big believer that if someone is uncomfortable with me, that's on them and it should be on them. I am not in any way going out of my way to try to make people uncomfortable, but if they, if they happen to be uncomfortable, I'm not going to contort myself to try to please them. I, I think that that's a losing battle for almost anything. I mean, whether you're a teenage girl trying to be the weight that you think your classmates expect you to be, or whether you're a gay person in the world of work trying to be the colleague that you think your colleagues expect. We're able to to let go of a lot if we let go of those expectations. And I actually think that it is an exercise in becoming the kind of person that I think almost anyone, gay or straight, should aspire to be, which is driven by authenticity and by our own convictions about who we are, rather than letting anyone's expectations factor into that. Thanks to Dory Clark and my listener Marie for being my guests on this show. So that's Dory's view, but what about yours? Do any of you have experiences or ideas that could help Marie? You can post a comment under this episode at thebroadexperience.com or email me or post on the show's Facebook page. Both of us would really like to hear from you. Be part of this community that's helping women, even if you're not a woman yourself. Talking of community, if you'd like to be part of the community that supports this one-woman show, you can do that via the support tab on the website. You can give a monthly amount or a one-off donation. Everything is appreciated. I'm Ashley Nontite. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 